Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Michael Beller here with you for my first fantasy baseball podcast since the end of the 2021 season. I hope my voice still works for baseball. I know it works for gambling. I know it works for football. I hope it still works for baseball. It, it, it feels like it's working. So I hope it's sounding good to all of you out there. We've got a new Thursday regime that we are starting here today on March 31st, one day out from opening day with me every Thursday on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. A man who needs no inter- introduction, but he's going to get one. He has been here with you all off season long. His name Al Melchior. Al, this is great, man. We haven't talked in this baseball context for what feels like forever. I'm so happy to be back with you. I, likewise, likewise. Yeah, reunited uh, and uh, very, very excited to to start this new regimen, like you said. And, uh, you know, not everybody started spring training on time. But, you know, <laughs> yep. as long as you're ready for your opening day, it's all good. Yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm not the dudes who were showing up like two weeks before the lockout ended or getting together, but I'm also not Michael Conforto, right? So I'm, I'm in between. I'm in between those two. So I feel okay about it. As do I. <laughs> uh, so every Thursday, what Al and I are going to be doing here this season is it's going to be me, it's going to be Al, and we're going to have a guest on this show. It's going to be industry people, people if you follow along in the fantasy baseball world, you will know these names. Hopefully we can expose some new names to you as well. And then as we always like to do, we are going to uh, tap into our vast reservoir of beat writers at The Athletic. One thing we love about being able to bring you these shows is that we are the only organization that has boots on the ground every single MLB team. So we will be tapping into that and bringing you some knowledge uh, as the season goes on and as stories warrant and news progresses and all that, we will bring on the beat writers who are most relevant to what's going on in the fantasy baseball world at that very moment. This first episode, though, I feel like I'm sort of the guest because it's my first time <laughs> back doing baseball. And Al, you've been here, but I feel like so it's like I'm sort of like guesting with you, Al, which is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I get a little quality time before we uh, expand the party here. Yeah, absolutely. So as we're going to do here, uh, it is, uh, like I said, it's as Al and I are at least recording this episode, it is one week out from opening day. So that makes this the last draft weekend of the uh, of the offseason. Uh, a lot of people are going to obviously be drafting over these next six days. And so we thought, what's well, a great way to get this started while also giving you some advice you need as you head into your last draft or drafts or auctions or whatever of this offseason. We're going to run down the key things, the things you are most concerned about going into those drafts. What is it? We're going to talk about players who we are willing to reach for, players who we are avoiding at ADP, and then we'll top it off with guys who are just fun to have, guys who we want to have on our teams because fantasy baseball is fun and they're going to be fun this year and we want to have the fun with those guys on our team. So we'll hit those three classes of players on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Al, let's get this rolling. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, I'm just going to, so like, I, like I've been in knee-deep in gambling world, neck-deep in the NCAA tournament. Let's start off with players we'll reach for, and instead of me just like saying, how about this guy, Al, you put a list in here, instead of me saying, hey, how about this guy, how about this guy, give me one of the guys from your list. Like, who are you most excited? Who are you most excited, most like, yeah, I'll reach around for this guy. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got to gotta just pick one. Just pick uh, you know, one. If you can only do it with one. I'll say it, I feel a little strange with with this choice here because I mean I do do still have drafts coming up so I, I can apply this, but the one I mean when you say excitement, I have to say Nick Castellanos, yes. but I haven't drafted him yet, 
So uh, now some of this, some of the excitement is because I was worried that he was going to wind up someplace that was going to be considerably less good for his power stats than Philadelphia, less good than Cincinnati, but he did wind up in Philadelphia. And so I was very excited by that news and I'm, you know, I'd love to get him on my roster and I feel like his recent ADP is still pretty, pretty favorable. This is a guy who I love too. I mean, I, I love this team. I want I want to be invested in this team. Um, and like they're they're going to be a fascinating team to watch this year. They're going to hit a billion homers with Castellanos, with Bryce Harper, with Kyle Schwarber, with Reese Hoskins. I mean, they're just going to hit homer after homer after homer. They're going to be anywhere between like a dreadful and historically bad defensive team. Like they're just going to be a super interesting, <laughs> super fun team to watch. And I'm with you on Castellanos. I mean, we've seen it over these last couple of seasons. You really, you go back to that 2019 season, 2018 in Detroit, and the 2019 split between the Cubs and Detroit last year with Cincinnati. I mean, this is a guy who's going to do what he does, and you got to figure that this Philly ballpark and this Philly lineup is going to play to those strengths. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I talked about the park factor, but yeah, I mean, where he fits in that lineup. Right, right in the middle of that lineup, uh, hitting likely behind Kyle Schwarber, JT Realmuto, Bryce Harper, probably ahead of Reese Hoskins. I mean, that that's pretty darn nice for for all the counting stats. So, uh, like you said, it, it'd be fun just to be invested in this team somewhere. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk about other players from this lineup. I do have Gene Segura on at least one roster. So, yeah, it'll be uh, cool to have a reason to watch, uh, watch the Phillies. I know we shouldn't really need a reason to, to watch a team just for fun, but yeah, when you do what you and I do, uh, sometimes yep. it's hard to just do these things recre- recreationally, but the Phillies will be good, good, fun, recreational baseball. Let me, let me ask you this. So the players who are listed just above Castellanos and NFBC ADP, the hitters, let me clarify mm-hmm. the hitters listed just above him in NFB AD, uh, NFBC ADP going back to the start of March. So obviously a good chunk of this was before we knew he was in Philly, but it's still a good, you know, roadmap, not exactly the gospel, but a good guide to about where he'll be going. They include George Springer, Francisco Lindor, Austin Riley, Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, any of those guys who it's like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm taking Castellanos over X. Uh, maybe Goldschmidt. Although I, I have Goldschmidt rostered in one league too, uh, because I mean, first base is just pretty right. dreadful uh, beyond the top tiers. So that, yeah, I'm, I'm waffling on the answer before I've even really <laughs> given the full answer, <laughs> but there was nobody that stood out that was like, oh, you know, I would definitely leapfrog Castellanos over, over that hitter, but um, it, it's good company to be in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's definitely good company to be in. And we're talking about inside the top 60. It's hard to reach when you're talking about guys inside the top 60. My first guy, you said we're going to talk about someone else from this team. Let's just keep it in Philly. Let's keep it not only in Philly, but keep it with a new Philadelphia Philly. And this is someone who you can reach for because he's going just around pick 100, I want to say. Yeah, right up right just outside the top 100. Kyle Schwarber, man. I mean... First of all, what a, what a ridiculous year he had last year. That, I mean, we all remember the homer binge he went on right before he was traded from Washington to Boston, the 21 homers in 20 games or whatever it was, just a totally outrageous. It gets hurt right away when he gets to Boston. Then he just is awesome in Boston from the moment he gets back on the field and then ends up in Philly. I mean, he I, I think he could, he could hit 40 homers this year. I mean, he could, he, I, he could 
definitely get there. A career high of 38 homers in 2019 when he was still with the Cubs. I think he could break that career high. He's going to be hitting at the top of that order. I think he could score a ton of runs on top of that lineup. Like 40 homers, 90 runs, 80 RBI with like a 350 OBP. That feels totally in line for Kyle Schwarber. I love this dude this season, Al. Yeah, I, I, I do too. The context is great. I think that's a good call with the 40 homers. And it's interesting to me because I had just written my bold predictions piece for The Athletic. And I didn't include Kyle Schwarber, but I did include Hunter Renfro because he gets a similar bump uh, in terms of, of home run park factor, also coming from Boston, but in his case, going to Milwaukee. And uh, you know, I, I like Hunter Renfro's tran- chances for mm-hmm. cracking the 40 home run barrier. Uh, which he hasn't done before, just like Schwarber. Schwarber's come come close, came close with the Cubs in 2019. So you figure if he could have done that, uh, 38 homers in, in Wrigley for half of the games, you certainly have to like his chances at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, I'm uh, all over all over some Kyle Schwarber this season. I think it's going to be a great year for him. And you referenced that bold predictions piece that you did just write for an athletic subscriber. Be sure to check that out. Al's got uh, 10 bold predictions on the site right now. One of those bold predictions is that Darren Ruff will have more fantasy value than Joe Adele. And Darren Ruff finds his way into your players. I will reach for uh, for your last couple of drafts piece here too. Yeah, and again, yeah, this is another player that I haven't rostered yet, but would certainly like to before all is said and done. And that's probably true for a few of the players that I wrote about in that bold predictions piece because a lot of those did come out of research, research I wish I had done maybe three weeks ago. <laughs> but you, you still find, you know, you uncover things late in the draft season that you wish you had uncovered uncovered earlier. But Ruff, Ruff is somebody who I've, I've sort of waffled on because – I am aware of how well he's hit in his two seasons with the Giants, but have always thought about him as the the lesser half of, of a platoon situation there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Saris actually recently wrote about this for The Athletic and uh, talked about how the Giants could score a surprising amount of runs again this year using all of their platoons. And so while that's great from a team perspective for Darren Ruff, that doesn't necessarily put him in the best role. But in the, in the two seasons with the Giants, he's actually had very good, good splits, uh, both ways. So he could, you know, he's proven that he can hit righties. And I think that, you know, the giants, you know, again, being a, a very sabermetrically oriented team, I imagine that they'll, they'll put those numbers to use and let rough play a lot more this year. And also of course, because there's a DH spot to fill. Mm -hmm. So while there have been missed opportunities in previous drafts for me, I definitely want to have rough on, on my rosters, uh, Again, before I head into opening day. Feels like one of those guys who could really do himself a huge favor by coming out of the gates hot. right? With with all the platoons this team is going to use, with the different bats they're going to be able to put into the DH spot, with the fact that Lamont Wade Jr. is going to be on the IL uh, to start the season. Like there's a lot of there are a lot of opportunities for him to play every day right off the bat. And it just feels like if he starts hot, he could hit his way into and uh, with the way this team plays, pro- if we're being realistic, probably not an everyday job. He's not getting 155 starts this season. But if he starts hot, I do feel like Al, like, is it crazy to think of like 120 starts with like a fair amount of pinch hitting and, you know, late game opportunities for him too? I don't think that's I crazy. think that's yeah, I think that's it's maybe it is crazy, but I think it's it's within the bounds, maybe the upper bounds of what mm-hmm. seems seems possible or at least probable. 
But I, yeah, I would take the under on that. I would guess that maybe it'd be closer to a hundred starts, but last year, yeah. I think if my memory is correct, I think he starts 62 games. So that's, yep. that's huge upgrade right there. Yeah. And like you say, they're all, they'll be uh pinch hitting roles and late substitutions. Mm-hmm. So he'll, he'll get his plate appearances. I think yeah. even with, uh, with a hundred starts, I, I'd be very happy with that unconventional dude on an unconventional team that's for sure and so it's going to be uh something to watch that giants team just uh another a, a little bit of a head scratcher uh coming into this season just because like i mean they're not going to win 107 games again i don't think but like we didn't think they were going to do it last year and uh it's going to be a fun team to watch how they attack this 2022 season here's one that um it feels a little like silly to throw out as a reach because he's so he's going so late in drafts um, I love Brandon Nemo. I love me some Brandon Nemo, man. This is a dude who's just an on-base machine. And that's been true for him, you know, for a couple of seasons in a row now. And so when I take a look at that, when I take a look at the fact that he's just going to get on base a lot, I know that there are some concerns uh, related to playing time. The Mets are going to have plenty of options uh, to, to trot out there. But I just think he's going he's gonna to hit at the top of the order when he gets to play. He's going to get on base a ton. And I think that there's a lot to be said for just those couple of traits. You know, you're looking at behind him, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Robinson Cano, Eduardo Escobar. Like, there's there's a lot to like about what the Mets are going to be able to trot out behind him. And I think that this is another guy who, like with Kyle Schwarber, although in a very different way, could end up scoring a ton of runs. And I feel like runs is, you know, it's very often the overlooked category in fantasy baseball. We're always talking about homers. With homers, naturally, is going to come RBI. Uh, we are always, always, always talking about steals. We're always concerned about our rates. And I think we have a tendency to believe, you know, if I do, if, if I take care of my business in, you know, homers and, and good rates, the runs will come. And that's just not always the case. Brandon Nimmo. On-base machine, better than a 400 OBP each of the last two seasons. And those two seasons gave him, what, about 600 plate appearances? So about a full season's worth of plate appearances. And he's got better than a 400 OBP. He's got about a 285 batting average across those uh, those seasons. So if you're a batting average league, he's going to have you covered there too. 16 homers, 6 steals. I mean, this I, I think he can do those numbers over a full season while scoring a lot of runs with what the Mets have put behind him in that lineup. Yeah, well, it's a good point about targeting runs because I've been guilty of overlooking that at times, and I think probably we're we're not alone in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't worry about the playing time in terms of where he is on the depth chart. I worry about playing time in terms of him staying healthy, yeah. mm-hmm. which is why I haven't rostered Nimmo yet this year. But talking about uncovering things late in draft season. So I'm looking at his fan graphs page here while we're talking and something stood out to me that I had never noticed before, which is that he's been a, a consistently good hitter on balls and play throughout his career. That that's, that's something I, I understand about Nimmo. I did not really understand how much he had cut his strikeout rate uh, the last couple of years. And like you say, mm-hmm. you take 2020 and 21 together You've basically got a full season there. And maybe it's just the fact that because he didn't play that much last year and then 2020 was a short season that I didn't pay enough attention to his stats. But uh, in 2020, a 19.1% strikeout rate, 20.5% last year. So DVR and I have talked about this on, on this podcast a few times about how we trust or rather how we treat 2020 stats and how. We, we both sort of devalue them unless we see something in 2019 and 2021 that 
that kind of puts that into, into context. So that reduced strikeout rate in 2020, he continued it in mm-hmm. 2021. So you, you talk about the on base, like, you know, that's something that I always keep in mind with Nimmo that, yeah, he's great for points leagues. He's great for, for score sheet, you know, more, more valuable in those formats. But I think we can also start talking about him not only as an OBP guy, not only as somebody who could score a lot of runs, he could help you with batting average. Hitting 292 last year, 280 mm-hmm. the year before because of that combination of a good BABIP and a, and a low strikeout rate. This is a dude who's going outside the top 300 NFBC yeah. drafts over the last month. Brandon Nemo, someone who I am definitely, definitely highlighting on my sheets going into this last week of draft season. Why don't we talk about a couple of pitchers, Al? I'm going to repeat this again. You've got some pitchers on here. I'm going to cross one off of you. We're ready to talk about the Phillies, so I'm going to say no Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola is on Al's I Will Reach For list. Al's a smart guy. You should probably follow him nine times out of ten. But I'm going to cross off Aaron Nola. Give me another one of your pitchers and tell me why you'll reach for this person. Well, I, I, this is another picture that I've written about, but Charlie Morton is somebody who I've wound up on several rosters and wasn't somebody that I was necessarily targeting, you know, looking at trends and saying, oh, you know, this is somebody who's really going to be overlooked. But it, just as it turns out that I just feel like Morton's ADP is, is too low. And I think some of that maybe stems back to the, to the injury uh, sustained in the, in the postseason last mm-hmm. year. But the reports in the offseason on him were really positive. He's he's pitched well now in in spring training, and yet uh, you know right now not we may be looking at slightly different ADPs, uh, Michael, because I'm I'm looking at just the last two weeks. Okay, and Morton is. I'll 30. filter mine. I'll get on. I'll get on the same page. All right. again. <laughs> <laughs> and Morton is number thirty four with a ninety ADP over the last two weeks. So uh, right behind Trevor Rogers. Which I understand. I like Trevor Rogers. I think that's yeah. an appropriate ADP for him. But yeah, I have some innings concerns with him, and also just Morton with the more extensive uh, track record. You go a little bit further up. Okay, Dylan sees Justin Verlander. Not you know, it's, it'd be hard to argue argue with those. Jose Brios. Okay, I, I you know I think this is the same neighborhood. Kevin Gosman. Now, so we're talking about Kevin Gosman going almost twenty picks before Charlie Morton. I would definitely take Charlie Morton over Kevin Gosman with you. because of my concerns with the shift to the AL and and to Toronto and and that ballpark. Lance Lynn. Um, I, I would rather have Charlie Morton than Lance Lynn. Joe Musgrove, somebody I wrote about in that uh, bold predictions piece. I think Joe Musgrove is Grove is fine. I do think he's a little overdrafted overdrafted. I also made the point in that piece that I feel like Blake Snell and you Darvish are getting a little underdrafted. So yeah, I, I would bump Morton up, you know, quite a bit. And I have obviously been, been reaching for him because I, I keep rostering him. So <laughs> I, I, I understand there's age related concerns for him. Like I sure. said, maybe still some concerns uh, coming off of, of uh, the, the, the in- injury, but yeah. That's but, what concerns, like, I don't know, like, we, we went through this with David Ortiz a few years ago. We've gone through it the last couple of years with Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. Once a guy does it a few times in his late 30s, I tend to just believe he's going to do it. Like, if, if I get caught with my pants down on it, so be it. But, like, we're not talking about, you know, like, oh, no, Charlie Morton's just getting into his late 30s. Like, is this when the, the cliff happens? Like, I feel like if the age-related cliff was really coming for him, it, it would have happened by now. Yeah, it's a little different pitcher versus hitter, but I still feel like he's shown us he can do it in his late 30s. Why would it suddenly change now? Yeah, if I saw any kind of sign of decline, I I would get it. But yeah, the the, the peripherals they're they're just steady, steady year after year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, and he's in a great situation there too, uh, pitching 
for Atlanta in Truist Park. Going to get a lot of run yep. support. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I, I just like the whole the whole package here. Might have a couple of uh, softies in the division to beat up on in Miami yep. and, and D.C. Certainly possible for, for every pitcher in that division who's not on one of those two teams. So that's something you can look at as well. Something we're going to look at, Al. Uh, so I referenced right off the top of the show, this is the first fantasy baseball episode I've done in however long it's been. I'd be willing to bet that if the last time we got together and talked about fantasy baseball, if it wasn't that very episode that was like my ninth straight time talking about Tristan McKenzie, it was probably the one before that. Remember that at the end of I just Tristan McKenzie, oh, yeah. Tristan McKenzie, 2022, Tristan McKenzie. And I mean, I, I'm just, I, I'm so all in on Tristan McKenzie this year. It's just ridiculous, Al. This has been something that dates back to like July of last year for me. Zach Mizell, our Cleveland Guardians beat writer. And boom, look at that. First fantasy baseball episode of the season. Cleveland Guardians nailed it. Our Guardians beat writer. He is all in on Tristan McKenzie. He is a guy who's already getting great reports in the spring, pitching well in the spring. I don't want to draw too much from it, but four Ks and five and a third innings. He is doing it like he, he seemed to find himself last year. I just want like every piece of Tristan McKenzie I can have on my team's Al. I want it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I remember those conversations was not surprised <laughs> to see him pop up on your, your list. And I, I can't blame you or anybody else who might reach a little bit for McKenzie because uh, he's, he's going late. He's uh, outside. The I can't top believe 200. how late yeah. he's going. I can't believe how late he's going outside the top 200. Like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look around and in fact, uh, I remember, at least I think I remember, I hope I'm not just inventing this in my own head, but I seem to remember having a conversation with DVR about McKenzie and and his ADP and where he was going. And I think there was a a comparison with Jose Urquidy. And as I'm looking right now, they're still pretty much neck and neck in terms of ADP. And I made an argument for Urquidy. Now, I I think that this can vary based on on roster construction. I mean, if this is going to be late in the draft where they're they're both still available. And if you've taken on a little bit more risk than you would have liked to, uh, then I think Urquidy is the way to go. But Mm -hmm. McKenzie, I think, uh, certainly has much more potential. We know who Jose Urquidy is at this point. Mm-hmm. You go a little further up, John Means, Anthony Desclafani. Nothing really wrong with either of those pitchers. But yeah, I could see yeah. uh, reaching a little little higher for uh, McKenzie at that point because I, you miss out on you know Desclafani in a 12-team league. I think you're going to be able to find a, an adequate replacement for that, that level of performance on waivers. I mean, there is absolutely nothing wrong with John Means, with Di Scalfani. Alex Wood is right in this group of guys. Like, there is nothing wrong. Uh, Hunjin Ryu, they're all in this range. Like, there is nothing wrong with any of those guys. I will be happy to have those guys on my teams. Totally, totally, totally. But, like, Tristan McKenzie, if everything goes right, Tristan McKenzie could be, like, a top 20 starting pitcher. If like things go boom, 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 perfect for him. And that's, that's just not the case for these other guys. There is just a ceiling here that you don't see very often this late in drafts. And like, we've seen it, Al, we've seen it. We saw it back when, back when he first debuted and was the new hot thing in town. And then obviously we all know the struggles with walks he had, but then we saw it in the second half last year. Like we've seen what the best of Tristan McKenzie can be. And that's just scratching the surface of what the best he can be is. I just, I mean, I love Love this dude. I cannot have enough Tristan McKenzie outside the top 200. Like there's, there are plenty of opportunities to get in on him. I think he has, I think he has himself a really good season uh, this year. And, and so it's just, man, Tristan McKenzie, yo. 
been waiting for this waiting for this moment since July to be able to talk him up in a draft context. And here we are now, one week away from the start of opening day, talking him up in a draft context. We've got some other things we got to get to. I, I just want to read. Uh, Al's also got Mitch Garver, Justin Turner, Willie Adames, Aaron Nola, Taylor Rogers. I am on Wander Franco. Uh, and that's only we talked about my other three guys. So Wander Franco, also someone who I am very willing to reach for, and that's another one I could go along on. But we got to keep things moving. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So let's keep things moving and let's talk about players we are avoiding at ADP as well. Al, this one pains me so much. I'm going to get right into the one that really, really hurts. Marcus Semyon. I love Marcus Semyon. I was so long on Marcus Semyon last year. I had all the Marcus Semyon I could possibly get my hands on last year. The dude hit 45 homers. He stole double-digit bases. He was just a force right from the get-go. But I'm with you here. This, the ADP this year feels just a little bit too rich at I am stalling so I can look it up at just inside the top 40. Like that just feel like with, with the move from Toronto to Texas feels like a little bit too much. Yeah, it really does. And yeah, I mean, like you said, you were in on him last year. Well, you know, kudos to you because that worked out great. Uh, but oh, change of scenery, change of venue. Uh, and I don't expect that those are going to work out well for him. Uh comparatively i mean the skills are fine but shortstop is is very deep and granted you can use him at second base so mm-hmm. i think that that does add a little bit value there but still for him to go ahead of xander bogarts uh i absolutely can't see that uh 11 times out of 10 i'm taking xander bogarts <laughs> with that <laughs> with that choice francisco lindor I'm, I'm going now lindor's going a, a bit later and i get why there's maybe some hesitation uh, on him after last season but uh, that, that's a little too much recency bias for me. I'm I'm still going Francisco Lindor there. It's what I would have done a couple years ago, and I, I don't think Lindor is an, essentially a different player now. And again, Simeon's in this environment that's just not going to be as favorable. What's an interesting one is Simeon versus uh, one of your favorites there, Wander Franco. Franco mm-hmm. going 20 spots later. Uh, I'm oh. yeah, I'm probably going Franco, but <laughs> I think I have too. Yeah, it tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. Yeah, for me, because those are two of my favorite players. Uh, but like, it's it, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the ballpark effects. You know, both Toronto playing in the Rogers Center and the games they played in Dunedin last year. But like that lineup, that lineup was so loaded. There was no pit. You you had to pitch to every single person in that lineup because what were you going to do? Pitch around Semyon to get to George Springer. Pitch around yep. Springer to get to Bo Bichette. There was there was nothing you could do in the Toronto lineup. And then you had all, like like we're like I'm talking about with Nimmo and Schwarber. He had all the, he scored 115 runs last year. 
That's that's outrageous. He scored 115 runs, hitting at the top of the what was one of the best lineups in baseball, and just getting driven driven himself in 45 times, and then just getting driven in and driven in and driven in by those teammates. And like, I mean, you know, like Texas is better than they were last year. I, I love like it's a breath of fresh air to see a team go for it and spend some money and, and try to be better, even if they don't think that that better is going to amount to them being in the postseason necessarily. But I mean, come on, Mitch Garver. Uh, Corey Seager, Nathaniel Lowe, Adolis Garcia, Cole Calhoun. Like, I mean, this is like, this is, this is, I mean, Marcus Semyon did the leaving, but this is like the, the Will Smith meme at the end of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when he's not the, not the recent Will Smith meme, but the old Will yeah. Smith meme and the Fresh Prince looking around like, where is everyone? That's Marcus Semyon in Texas being like, man, where's George and Bo? Where are my guys? So it's just, I really fear for the lineup context for him. Yeah, no, I do too. I do too. So uh, I don't want to go overboard with this, but still I a great do. player, still a great yeah. player for sure. Just not what's reflected in the current ADP. Some of those guys, you do, like if he, if he and Francisco Lindor are the same cost, easy Semyon. If he and Wander are the same cost, easy Semyon. But we're factoring in the cost here. We have to, and it's just it, it's hard for me. Like I'm with you. Like give me Bogarts, give me Bogarts. Just like the like the situation, like the setup, a little bit better for him for sure. Um, another guy we agree on is Tommy Edmond. Let's talk about Tommy Edmond for a second here. I mean, I I can't uh, th- th- talk about a guy who will for sure be on zero of my teams. Tommy Edmond, like, <laughs> no way, no way. He's, is he going to lead off? Because I, I don't think he's going to lead off. I don't think so either. And I wish I could remember who I saw somebody discussing this on Twitter earlier today. Uh, the same thing. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was the Athletics Mike Curlin because he yeah, is the, the the batting order guru. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think he was saying he he doubts it. That it makes sense to me. Uh, you know, 308 OBP last year, 317 the year before, uh, new manager there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's been really interesting in drafts because he had those 30 steals last year. And, you know, when you're in the draft room and you're lining <laughs> it up either by projection or by last season stats and you're like, oh, I need steals, I need steals. And Tommy Edmond is just sitting there as like the top player that can help you with steals. But it's like, I cannot take him this early. And inevitably, somebody else does yes so i there's there's gonna be a pattern i noticed in my list of players that i'm avoiding at their adp and i've had to piece together steals because i'm just not paying for essentially one-dimensional players and that's just yeah no, no i just like imagine imagine being the cardinals and being like yeah we no, we got to get tommy edmund more plate appearances than paul goldschmidt tyler o'neill nolan arenado dylan carlson He's got to be the guy getting plate appearances, right? When the, the lineup rolls back over, give me Tommy Edmond in the one spot and not Dylan Carlson. Like, that, that, in, in what world does that make any sense? Yeah, not, uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly not a, a world where, yeah, they're, they're looking at data and being analytical about it doesn't, yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm skeptical, as you are. I'm skeptical about the place in the batting order, the, the run production. Uh, it's certainly part of the appeal. You look at that stat line from last year, 91 runs scored. I don't see him coming near that. And the projection mm-hmm. systems don't either. Uh, only Steamer's got him with as many. I take that back. Zips uh, gives him 88. Steamer gives him 80. Everybody else is in the 70s. Um I, I would take the the seventies projections on. I would uh, also on runs for Edmund, and uh, also I figure there's going to be some regression back from from the thirty steals, maybe closer to the twenty twenty five range, and um, not a great batting average, not a great OBP. So for where he's going, 
that's uh, it's it's just not worth it. I'd I'd rather try to piece piece the steals together. I am totally with you on that, and we are of the same mind on just that that line of thinking, regardless of the players. So Tommy Edmond just inside the top 100. I mean, it's 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 laughable to me how the players who he's rubbing elbows with Brian Reynolds, Alec Manoa, Giancarlo Stanton, you Darvish, Carlos, like give me a break, Tommy Edmond in that spot, and give me a break on Adalberto Mondesi being a top 60 player. Adalberto Mondesi has a higher ADP the last two weeks than Wander Franco. Javier Baez, Aloy Jimenez, just after Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, and George Springer. Do we 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 are that hungry for steals, Al? <laughs> We're that hungry for steals? I well, mean, Edelberto want to see. He's going to hit 15 homers, sure. He's going to steal a ton of bases. I get that. He's going to strike out 30% of the time. He is not going to walk. He is going to kill you in batting average or OBP, whichever your league uses. He is going to be a drag on that. And he's going to steal 50 bases. Maybe he's gonna steal Maybe. forty bases. He's gonna do, but like, come on! This is not. This is just within the context of being a major league baseball player. This is not a great baseball player, and we're drafting him alongside great baseball players. Well, and uh, in fantasy, that's. I mean, sometimes you you have to do that, but I agree that the price is too much. I, I mean, it has been adjusted compared to the last couple of years for Mondesi, but probably still going a little bit too high and. That goes again. There, there's a pattern here in terms of my mm-hmm. list um, <laughs> players that I think are going too high because people are going for steals. And like I say, I get it. I have felt the pull myself looking at the draft room, needing steals and thinking, should yeah. I or shouldn't I? But ultimately, I say I shouldn't. Yeah, look, you hate steals. Jazz Chisholm, Cedric <laughs> Mullins, Miles Straw, all these guys on this list. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same deal with each of them. Like I, I see them come up in the draft room. I think, okay, well, if I want steals, this is probably the player to go with, but, uh, just, 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 like, is he, is he going to hit for, for enough average? Is he going to get as many steals as projected? Because those steals were very lumpy last year. Mm-hmm. Cedric Mullins. I think there's going to be a big, uh, comeuppance in terms of, of the power and run production numbers for him, partly because the, the stack cast metrics didn't support them last year and partly because of the park adjustments uh, at Camden right. Yards. So I, I just feel like ADP is not reflecting that regression risk uh, to, to a high enough degree. Yeah, Cedric Mullins uh, sandwiched in between Starling Marte and Mar- Marcus Semien. Uh, Starling Marte, a guy who we know is Marcus. Like, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I, if I'm sitting there at that stage of the draft, and I really do have steals on the brain, I'm just going to feel the biggest gut punch if Starling Marte goes, and then I'm staring at Cedric Mullins. And that's not a, that's not in, that sounds like a big knock on Cedric Mullins. It's yeah. really not meant to be. Starling Marte is just like the bow ideal. Like that's just the bankable dude hitting number two in that Mets lineup. He's going to swipe his you know 40 plus. Like he's going to hit for a little bit of pop. Like that's the dude. That's the like if you're going to if I, if you're going to prioritize steals early, that's one of the dudes that you do it for. I agree. And I've not been able to get him. And I, again, I think as a community, we understand that. So there's, there's never a discount on Starly Marte. Uh, so I've, I've not been able to, uh, to take advantage. You've got uh, a couple of big uh, relievers on here. Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks. Is this as simple as you're not going to be the first person to pay for saves? Not in this environment. Absolutely not. Not that I've been opposed to that on principle in the past, but with uh, those two, the big two going, really consistently in and around the third round. 
it's just too much of an opportunity cost for me. I mean, mm-hmm. you're at that point. I, I might still be looking for my first pitcher. I might be, you know, trying trying to get one of the few good first or third basemen that are left on the board. Uh, I, I might feel some urgency to get my my first outfielder. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to go reliever at that point. So, you know, very similar to my approach with steals. I would rather piece saves together than get these two that are projecting so far ahead uh, of everybody else in the field. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's a, I think it's, it's a, it's a, even though like the, the lesson that's behind it, the, the logic that's behind it is something that any of us who has played fantasy baseball for, you know, more than two years, like sort of understands. uh, And especially now the, the environment that baseball's in, um, yeah, there is no, there is no, um, end in sight for the, the, the change in the way pitchers are used. Um, and we're going to see it's like, it's going to change even more. You're going to have way more dudes getting saves. You're going to have way fewer locked in closers. Uh, you're going to have, you know, starters. I mean, they're already going about as short as they possibly can, but maybe there'll be another third of an inning on average shaved off of how far starters go into games. Like there's so many ways to cobble together so many different ways to cobble together saves that, there's a, there's a reliability standpoint that certainly is worth paying for. And obviously Hendricks and Hader do so much for your ratios and they strike out. It's on a guy. So there's other factors in here other than saves. We'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't say that saves is what's driving the equation. Saves plus reliability is what's driving their, their, their fantasy value. And so I think it's, it's a lesson that you can't learn too many times that you can, you can do other things. And there's just so many guys like the, the opportunity cost that's associated with those top relievers is sky high. It's the same reason why I'm staying away from catcher. I feel like this is something that I've done every year. I just like pick out the high, the top rated catcher, be like, all right, well that dude's not on my team. And so this year it's Salvador Perez got nothing against Salvador Perez. The player seems like a super cool dude that I would love to hang out with not paying what top 30 cost for Salvador Perez. It's, just, it's not happening. It's not, Here's- it's just, it's just not happening now. Here's where we park company uh, oh, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've really been wanting to draft Salvador Perez. I, I, I have succeeded uh, a couple of times uh, because I, and I, I hear what you're saying about catcher. I mean, first of all, everybody in past years has been really shy about being the first one to go after catcher, but there's always mm-hmm. been like maybe a little cohort at the top two or three catchers who aren't that part that far apart in projected value. Mm-hmm. And you look at somebody like JT real Muto, who's gotten uh, at least a portion of his value from getting more steals a catcher than you would, you, ex- you would expect, but that, mm-hmm. you know, that can go wrong. But Perez is just, such an overwhelming uh, boon to the home run category based on what he's done the last couple of years that you know, I'll live with whatever regression risk there is because I still think with whatever regression that there might be, he's still going to be far and away the most valuable catcher this year. So I have uh, paid up for, for Sal Perez in a couple of leagues and um, been sad when somebody's beat me to it. <laughs> 316 OBP last year. Doesn't walk a ton. Strikes nope. out. This fair amount. Although, I mean, last year was a little bit of a departure uh, in the strikeouts department from where he's been for his career. Um, who's to say if that's got something to do with the power also? And, I mean, you will always trade, at least in, in this realm, you're going to trade a couple of percentage points of strikeout rate for an, an explosion of homers. I think we would all agree with that. Um, I just think if he comes back down to 48 homers last year, ridiculous, unbelievable season. One of the stories of the year. He comes back down to 35, 36 homers. Still a huge gap between him and the next catcher, most likely. But it's still it's it's enough to concern me to like 
it's it's the opportunity cost again. I mean, if you take Sal Perez, you're probably not taking Tim Anderson. You're probably not taking Shane Bieber. Probably not taking Trevor Story. I mean, there's a lot of guys in there. Manny Machado, maybe, is someone you're passing on to take Sal Perez. There are arguments for doing it. I disagree with them. I don't think they're baseless. I just I can't get myself there with the opportunity cost. Well, this is probably why I've been there in leagues looking at Tommy Edmund thinking, should I or shouldn't I? <laughs> because I've, I've uh, paid that opportunity cost early on uh, in the leagues where I have had Sal Perez. Um, let's get one more in here. Let's get one more in here a piece. You've got a couple of guys on here that we haven't talked about. Dalton Varsho is on here for you, Julio Urias. We did mention Joe Musgrove a little bit. So Varsho or Urias, they're both on Al's list. I'll take one of them and run with it. I'll take Varsho because Urias, that, that's maybe a little bit of nitpicking because he's clearly a, a, a top-tier pitcher, but just feel like there are a few I would take ahead of him uh, based on on where he's going. But Varsho, uh, I, I mean, it's just unreal where where he's going. And I, again, I get the appeal. There's there's the steals potential there. Um, the, the you know The total package as it projects is really good, but it's just... For him to go ahead uh, of Yasmani Grandal and, and Wilson Contreras, um, we know who they are. Well-established, a lot of consistency there. I, I understand I'm passing up on the, the steals potential with either of them. Or for that matter, uh, we mentioned uh, Mitch Garver a little bit earlier. That's the catcher I've really been targeting when I, I miss out on Sal Perez. Uh, but yeah, just for, for a relatively unproven catcher to be going mm-hmm. fourth, between Will Smith and Yasmani Grandal, granted closer to Grandal than Smith, but still, I mean, that's just to me putting a little too much trust on a, on a repeat when we don't know how he's gonna gonna hold up uh, over an entire season as a regular. Yeah, this is an area where we agree for all the reasons you said. And I'll throw one more guy out there, my last guy, and a guy who I I glean that we agree on him too from something you referenced uh, when we were talking about players who we're willing to reach for. It's Kevin Gausman. I just it's it's as simple as the the obvious. It's the cosmetic stuff. It's going from the NL West to the AL East, going from San Francisco to Toronto. Worst ballpark, tougher lineups in his division, probably tougher lineups across his league, even with the NL adopting the DH this year. It's really just as simple as that. And then you you throw in the fact that like you know last year it, last year's an outlier, and it doesn't mean he can't do it again. Doesn't mean there's not a little bit of a, a late or a mid mid late career breakout for Kevin Gausman that that he sustains over the next couple of seasons. I'm just betting against it when you consider the other pitchers and the other hitters going in his uh, draft day neighborhood. Yeah, I I I've root for him because I feel like yeah. he's somebody who was undervalued a, a year or two ago. I hope that he makes that transition really well, but yeah, I just have questions and doubts about it and see some safer alternatives just a little further down in the, the 80 ADP rankings. Yeah. I'm, I mean, just, uh, it's, it's, it's so, so often these things, these fades are not really cause we don't like the player. It's cause like there's, there's just other guys who I'm going to take in that, in that range. If I need a pitcher in that range, like I'm going to take uh, who's like just within a couple of picks of him. So this is ahead of him, but like, I'm, I'm going to, if, if I can get, you know, Logan Webb or Max Fried, I'm going to take those guys. If I can get Lance Lynn, who's within one pick of ADP and same goes for Joe Musgrove. I'm going to take those guys over him behind him. Jose Barrios. I'm probably going to take Barrios. I'll probably take the, the, the upside shot on Justin Verlander or Dylan Cease, who are half a round of ADP behind Kevin Gosman. Like, I, I, I would love to be wrong about it. We want everyone to do well, but uh, I just, 
the, those changes, I think, are, are pretty large. And so I think there could be something coming Gosman's way that doesn't quite justify him being among the top 75 players drafted in fantasy baseball leagues for 2022. Let's wrap things up here, Al. Let's take a look at what we said right at the top. This is a this is an activity that we opt into. No one has to play fantasy baseball if they don't want to. So if you're going to do something that you're opting into, that you're choosing to do, it should be fun. There should be fun. This shouldn't be all analytical and mathematical. And of course, we want to win, but this should also be fun. So who's someone that you're trying to get on your team just because you think it's going to be fun to root for him this year? Well, I put at the top of my list, Wade Miley, and I, I know that that you know that's go maybe a name that's go. not syn- <laughs> a name that's synonymous with, with with fun for everybody. But I just I've been on the Miley train for for a few years now, so it's kind of just become my crusade. I, I wrote about him in the bold predictions, said I predict he'll have a, an ERA under three fifty. He did it last year, so I, I think he, I think he could repeat it. And I just he's the sort of pitcher that. I think does not get enough respect in fantasy circles. He threw no hitter last May. And still after that, <laughs> people were mm-hmm. kind of uh, being derogatory when, when talking about uh, Wade Miley in, in a fantasy context. So yeah, I, I he's, you know, he goes very, very late. So I can pick him up uh, late in the draft and um, that this way, if he does well again, I, I can, I could be right. <laughs> Cause that's the most fun thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, yeah, it, it just uh, you know support a guy that I, I've been touting for a few years. So, uh, and, and I, I also put Kyle Freeland on there for for the exact same reason. And one more pitcher uh, that I put on the list for for a different reason, Michael Lorenzen, just because even though Joe Madden says that he's not intending to use Lorenzen in the field much, uh, if at all, I I will hold out hope that he will play the outfield some. I or, bet he will. Or, yeah, you know, DH whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see it. So. Um, yeah, it'd be fun to roster him to have a reason to, to watch Angels games and see if that happens. All right, you're already they're already going to be taking advantage of the Otani rule once every five days. Might as well find another guy who can do it. Exactly. There you go. Um, I mean, so this was this was basically a way for me to shoehorn in Seiya Suzuki. If you if you don't already know, uh, you probably got it from my Go Cubs Go. After Al said Wade Miley, I am a Cubs fan. I'm actually, I, you know, I. I this I, I I go into this season feeling pretty light as a Cubs fan because I think they're going to be like a competitive seventy seven ish win team that maybe sells off some pieces and lands in like the low seventies. But I don't think they're a hopeless team. I think they're going to be a fun team to root for. I like most of what they did in the off season. I think they made a lot of good moves. Wade Miley being one of them. Marcus Stroman. I, I like the collection of bench players they have. You know, with Jonathan VR, with some of the guys who are coming up, Brennan Davis maybe hits Wrigley at some point this season. Like, there's a there's a lot of little things about this Cubs team that's fun. But the chief thing that's fun about this team is the investment they made to go get Seiya Suzuki. I, I, I just got to have this guy. And like, this is why we do it. This is why we play fantasy baseball. But like, Seiya Suzuki is going to be super fun. The dude hit 38 homers in Japan last year. He's going to be fun. It's going to be like you want guys on the team that you root for. Like, it's going to be you know, it's, I want to go to Wrigley in July on a nice hot Chicago day and watch say hit two homers for the Cubs and for my fantasy team. And I just, I mean, it, he feels like the sort of guy who, you know, we're not talking about a young guy here, right? 27 years old. Like he feels like the sort of guy who can translate what he did in Japan right over to the majors. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's always fun to have, uh, if you have somebody new who just right away uh, plays some exciting baseball and makes a difference for your team. Uh, that, that's a fun player to, to have on your rosters. 
He's going to play every day. I mean, this Cubs team, like sort of like we talked about with the Giants, they're going to do a lot of mixing and matching. They can do that with, you know, up the middle with with Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal and Jonathan Villar and move Villar to a corner spot and, you know, Frank Schwindel and, and Patrick Wisdom. They're going to do it. There's a lot of mixing and matching to be done with this team. The two guys who I am confident will be everyday players will be Wilson Contreras, as much as a catcher is an everyday player, and I think he DHs a lot when he doesn't catch, and Seiya Suzuki. So he's that playing time is going to be there. He's going to hit at the top of the order, and he's going to be super fun. And that is what this is all about. Al, my voice worked. It was like riding a bike. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it all along, Michael. There we go. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Thank you for welcoming me, welcoming me back into your baseball lives. One week from today, opening day, we can't wait. For Al Melchior, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for listening. We'll be talking to you soon. See you.